Hello and welcome to today's episode of The Stress Hacker. I'd like to talk today about parts work, working with various parts of ourselves. And just as a cautionary note, I'd like to say that it's not really suitable to work in this way on your own if you have been diagnosed with either schizophrenia or multiple personality disorder. Really is better that you talk to um, your therapist and work with them in the way they see fit. So um, we're made up of lots of different parts as um, you might imagine if you consider looking at a set of Russian dolls. And that might also be evident when, for example, somebody may come to see me in my psychotherapy practice and say, look, I want to stop smoking. Now I could say to them, well, go on then, stop. But they haven't been able to. They wouldn't be there if they'd been able to stop. There's another part of them, another them, if you like, that doesn't want to stop smoking. In fact, often, the harder that person actually tries to stop the unwanted habit, the, the more that other part of them seems to want to continue it. So, as I say, to help to understand where I'm coming from, just imagine a good set of Russian dolls. Now imagine that there are billions of them, trillions of those Russian dolls, and each doll actually represents a moment in time. And in this case, there's a part, or possibly even several parts, that still enjoy smoking and don't want to stop. And on further investigation, it may be that that particular part of them that started smoking, let's say, when they were 16, and let's call this imaginary client Gary. Um, so Gary started smoking at the age of 16, and on further investigation, it turns out he thought that it made him appear hard, a bit of a tough guy, quite kind of flash and appealing to the girls. But now here he is, 30 years later, desperately trying to quit smoking. But his inner 16-year-old has got no intentions because, of course, he wants to remain a tough guy. So we have a stalemate. However, once Gary starts to understand that the drive to smoke is actually coming from another part of him, he's also um, then very open to working with that part. He's more motivated. That part that is not working as the rest of the team, if you like, it's kind of outside of the hole. But now Gary, the guy who's sitting in my consulting room paying good money to stop smoking, is of course more motivated to help me to help him. Now, I won't go on in more detail about that kind of session, but suffice to say, there will be dialogue and negotiation between Gary and his younger self to work toward a more workable compromise that allows 16 to relinquish the smoking habit, because after all, 16 is Gary, it's just a younger part of him, but that also allows this 16-year-old to retain this kind of tough guy status and thus keeping all parts happy. So it's a kind of win-win situation. So let me give you another example. Let's have this client, let's call her Linda. So Linda came to see me because she wanted to stop a really heavy cocaine habit. And obviously, um, you know, she wouldn't be sitting there in my therapy room if she didn't want to stop. So we know that she's motivated to stop. But again, she was unable to do it despite detesting the habit. And again, when I explain this concept and anybody that's worked with me knows that I have several sets of Russian dolls, it's my kind of keynote. Um, so this cocaine habit was 
very, very uh, ingrained in her. But she quickly grasped the concept, telling me in subsequent sessions that actually knowing that it was just a part of her that wanted the cocaine, not all of her, just a part of her, actually start to, started to make avoiding it so much easier. And as I say, she'd gone on to tell me that actually she absolutely detested it. She detested herself. And that's the point. By the time she came to see me, her self-esteem had really, really suffered. She felt terrible about herself because she couldn't break this habit. So her self-esteem was taking a huge battering. Her self-talk, her inner dialogue was extremely poor. She was constantly beating herself up. And yet, she was such a remarkable woman in so many ways. Um, she was very strong um, emotionally, psychologically. She's actually overcome many different challenges in her personal life. And on the professional front, she was a real mover and shaker. She was used to troubleshooting and also resolving issues um, between departments and mediating conflicts. So once she got the hang of this negotiating with her, she started to call it her inner user, this then really started to work for her. She brought in other more robust, positive parts of herself to support her inner user to relinquish the need to use. So needless to say, other work was undertaken and there was a lot of emotional healing that took place in her sessions. But without the recognition and understanding of the part in charge of the unwanted behaviour, we both knew that she would not be able to stop. So it's really important to recognise, I think, that it's a part of you that's doing this, whatever that unwanted behaviour is, not all of you. In this way, you're able to separate out a little bit and perhaps more capably manage that part with the unwanted behaviour or with the addiction, whatever it is. And of course, it's not just addictions that reveal how these fragmented parts can take control. We're subject to all, all kinds of other um, parts taking the lead in certain situations. So I'd like to share a, a more personal experience. I also sometimes work as a jazz singer and it's one of my passions that I've honed for, I suppose, about 15 years or more now. And not so long ago, I was preparing for a gig, and it's a gig that I've done many times before. But this time, I just could not shake the nerves. I had a million butterflies going around in my stomach. And I kind of found this quite odd. There's sort of another me looking at this going, oh, you know, what's going on here? Logically, I was comfortable with my material, I was comfortable with the musicians, and even the audience I knew would have lots of friendly faces in it, lots of people I knew, so kind of couldn't understand why the anxiety. Anyway, I decided to lay on the floor and do some really good deep yogic breathing. And after a while, this sort of therapist part of me kicked in and I sort of heard myself saying, how old are you? This of course is mentally and silently. How old are you? I asked this scared feeling of mine. Six came the very, very rapid response. Hmm, and what are you afraid of, six? I asked. That they won't like me, came the very quick reply. Now remember, this is all silently and mentally. I'm sort of laying on the floor doing deep breathing and all this is going on in my mind. Remember also that I'm highly practiced in this way of working, so it kind of flows quite well for me. So I proceeded to tell my inner six-year-old that actually I liked her very much. In fact, I loved her very much and it really didn't matter if anybody else liked her, liked her or liked her performance. 
and this didn't work at all. The butterflies persisted and I was wondering also how on earth my inner six-year-old was getting involved in sabotaging my singing. You'd obviously need a relaxed diaphragm for a good performance. I appealed to her again and I said something like, you know, I really, really love singing and I really enjoy it, you know, and this anxious feeling that you, you're generating really doesn't help me. So can you just relax and enjoy it with me? Nope. <laughs> she was not having any of it that, and those butterflies persisted. I felt even more kind of wobbly about the gig. And I continued to lay there and do some more deep breathing. And then an idea came to me. And I just suddenly heard myself saying, um, would you like to stay at home? You know, you can snuggle up in my big, comfortable double bed and you could do some colouring and listen to some really nice, gentle music. Yes, yes, please, came the rapid response. Done. That was it. In, a, in an instant, in a nanosecond, those butterflies went. The deal was struck. It was a real win-win. And interesting because this time I deliberately fragmented a part of myself for the good of the whole. So in my imagination, I actually left the six-year-old tucked up happily in bed, drawing. I've got lots of adult colouring books. And um, in my mind's eye, I left her tucked up there and listening to some music. And it was really evident that that part of me just didn't want the ordeal of a public performance. It didn't even matter why. I didn't need to guess into that. The fact is, I wanted to go and do the gig. I love singing. I'm blown away by the fact that I can get gigs and people will listen that's that's just you know something wonderful for me and the interesting thing is is that I really really enjoyed that gig so much it was just great fun I felt confident and needless to say I had this sort of distinct absence of all those butterflies um the family therapist, well-known therapist in the past, was known as Virginia Satire, and she would say to people, look, you need to know yourself, and you need to know yourself in all your parts, and in that way, love yourself. Now, something psychology didn't teach me is that we stand still in time emotionally. So just take a moment again to recall the Russian dolls and remember, imagine now that there are billions and billions and billions of these Russian dolls, one for every minute, every second, every nanosecond of your life. And any one of those dolls can be a kind of <gasps> breath-holding moment, a sort of frozen moment in time, emotionally. And this can be from fear of flying, driving on motorways, speaking up in, in a meeting, all of these things can be triggered. And in a way, at a conscious level, we don't know why we're feeling the way we feel, despite many, many years of therapy and being a therapist. I didn't know why I had butterflies and felt nervous before that gig. But what I did know is that a part of me knew. I trusted that somewhere inside I had that information. And that's actually how I work with a client. The best thing I can do with a client is know that I know nothing and they know everything. And I can just, um, I have the accessing codes, if you like. I can help them get to that part of them that holds the key information so it doesn't matter really what the what the trigger is or even where it came from what matters is resolving it and healing it so our job is to rescue that part of us that's stuck in time um, trapped in the emotion and free it up allowing the energy to flow through that part so that we're reclaiming ourselves in all our parts understanding ourselves more on this journey in life and, and understanding 
you know, where you're coming from and healing yourself along the way. So to conclude, I probably make this sound quite easy and in a way it really is. That said, please respect this process. You know, this is an intervention and maybe you're better off working your way through your blocks and issues with a a therapist, a counsellor or a coach. But if you do decide to work with your parts in the way that I've talked about, then do this. Start by writing things down. Write your dialogue down. Give your other part a name or so it could be, in my case, I might put therapist um, and then I might respond with Sue or Susie. So just, um, as I say, separating out one part of you from another and writing down the dialogue and in this way you'll be able to keep track because it can get quite quite deep and complicated um, and it can stop you from getting lost in the process. So um, obviously this is a huge subject working with parts and I hope to elaborate on this more in the future in future podcasts but I would love to know how you get on with it so um, do let us know here at thestresshacker.com and I wish you love on your way to discovering more of you. Thanks for listening.